0: what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome to the oklahoma outdoors podcast i am your host john hudspeth and welcome to the show we have a jam-packed one this evening i have a lot of stuff to cover and so i'm going to try not to dilly dally too much i do want to throw out there real quick that it is currently raining outside so if you hear some like fuzziness in the background or the audio just sounds a little off uh that is why my apologies but it's Basically raining every day this week, and I don't want to complain about the rain. <laughs> and so, but I did just want to throw that out there. If something sounds a little weird, it's just because it's raining. So, anyway, with that out of the way, like I said, we got a lot to cover this week. Uh, I want to start off with talking about Youth Weekend. That was this last weekend. Going to try to make this story fairly short and sweet. But uh, leading into the weekend, you know, I, I had my nephew and my niece that we were planning to hunt. My brother had already kind of talked about in advance that I was going to take my nephew because this is his second year hunting. He killed a deer last year and he was going to take uh, my niece. So leading up to the weekend, uh, unfortunately, my brother wasn't able to shoot with my niece as much as he wanted to. And again, this was her first time hunting. She shot guns, but she's never shot like a a deer rifle or anything like that. And so Friday, I went ahead and took my nephew, Ty, and my brother stayed back at the house with his daughter, and they just spent a lot of time behind the gun, making sure she was comfortable you know, shooting targets and bottles and and all kinds of stuff, just making really, really certain sure that she was solid behind the gun. So, So she did that Friday um like i said i took my nephew friday evening and leading into the weekend i was honestly really nervous because it was really hot i think on saturday it ended up hitting like 91 or 92 and then you know we'd had like a really windy week before that knocked a bunch of acorns down and as i've mentioned before on the show we don't have a lot of acorns cuz our place is a, a cattle ranch and it was logged back in like 2008 um, but our neighbors have a lot of oak trees. And so this time of year is just really tough hunting on our place. Add the warm temperatures and everything. And it was just not a very good recipe for youth weekend. And so, I, you know, I was kind of honest up front with the kids and my brother. I was like, hey, guys, it's it's going to be tough hunting. Like, we're probably not going to see a ton of deer. Um, I, I, I really wanted, you know, we need to kill some does. Um, and I was afraid we wouldn't see any bucks. And so I told uh, both the kids, I was like, "Hey, if y'all shoot a dough, I'll give you ten dollars." Just kind of a little incentive, and you know, something to make them you know look forward to and happy to, to you know just basically just to see anything. Um, and as always, yeah, I, t- I think I talked about it last week. I always have a little bit of anxiety going into Youth Weekend because. I, and I feel very selfish saying this. I think I talked about that too. But I, just, I put so much time and money and effort into growing and hunting and chasing these deer. And not that I don't want to share that, you know, with my niece and nephew. Um, but they just, they don't, you know. Uh, and so I want to show them a good time. I want them to hunt. I want them to be successful. But I am slightly picky. More picky than even I would like to admit about what they shoot. And so I had sent my my brother I think four bucks that were kind of the off limits deer, um, but like I said, any young buck, older buck, uh, does. We've had tons of hogs running around lately, so they had they had plenty to go after. And so, like I said, first evening, uh, me and my nephew go out. We're in the blind, and I'm trying to keep it you know fun, exciting. Of course, he wants to like play on my phone and stuff, and so I, I let him a little bit, but. Trying to keep him engaged, I was like, "Hey, like you know, you got your your good eyes. Like I need you to, to spot the deer for me and everything." And so uh, we got probably like an hour left of, of light, and I, you know, I take the phone. I was like, "Hey, like you know, this is gonna be the time." And and of course, he's asking a million questions, like, "What time did the deer come?" And you know, where do they come from? And this and that. And um, so we're sitting there, and it's probably like thirty minutes till dark. And, and sure enough, my nephew's like, "Oh, deer, deer, deer." And so I'm like, hold on, be quiet. And it was coming from the left, kind of my blind side. And he's like, it's a buck. Uh, No, it's a doe. And uh, finally, the deer comes out to where I can see it. And it was a little buck. And uh, I think I I mentioned, you know, when I shot my buck, this is my nephew that was almost sad because I killed a big one because he wanted to kill the biggest buck this year. Uh, So anyway, so I I wasn't sure what he would be willing to shoot, especially, you know, on the first hunt. And so anyway, this deer walks out. And I'm guessing it's a yearling, may have been a two-year-old, uh, but it was like a four by two, you know, nothing crazy, but like the perfect buck for for him. And uh, so I asked him, I was like, hey, like, you know, you want to shoot this one or you, you want to wait for something? And he's like, I want to shoot this one, which I love. Like, it honestly did my heart a lot of good because like, I just want these kids to be excited to shoot something. You know, like these deer, these kids shouldn't be waiting for some monster at nine and 10 years old. Like they should just be excited to shoot anything um so anyway so the deer comes out kind of the edge of the food plot he's like right on the edge of the tall grass and uh in the food plot and uh, you know his his vitals were exposed i was like all right ty you, you want to take it and he's like yeah so uh set the gun up you know getting him set up of course the deer sees us luckily like i said it was a young deer and he's just sitting there kind of quartering to maybe just a little bit um but i was like you know i kept telling him control your breathing you know if you're, when you're ready take the shot he shoots the deer goes running off and to be honest i was a little worried um the leg was flopping a lot but it, it looked kind of low um and i just had flashbacks to the deer I, I shot with a muzzleloader a couple years ago that i ended up never finding because i hit him low in the leg and there are no vitals and that's kind of what was going through my mind here so I, I text my brother like hey we got one hit not sure about the shot uh of course immediately my nephew's like hey let's go look for it and i was like no like we need to give this deer some time And so to to buy some time, I was like, hey, like you stay here and watch. I'll go get the truck. So I'll walk back, get it, bring it up. And I'm, I'm purposely kind of dragging my feet and stuff just to, to give the deer more time. So we go over to where the deer was standing. Can't find any blood. Um, I, you know, I'd marked really well where it went into the woods. We're walking over there. Can't find any blood on the trail. We get to where he jumped the fence. Couldn't find any blood. And so I, I tell my nephew, you know, it's getting dark at this point. I was like, hey, you stay here. I got my headlamp, I got a, a, a handheld flashlight, and I'm, I'm going to take the gun and go see if I can find him. He's like, okay. And in my head, I'm thinking I'm probably going to find this deer bedded down, still alive, jump in, and possibly have to like shoot him on the run and try to get this deer down. That's just kind of what I'm prepared for. So I'm, I'm you know basically just grid searching, and luckily there was like a big, sti- steep cre- creek bank. Wow, I can't talk. A big, steep creek bank and in the fence, and so I'm hoping that kind of funneled him, and so like I said, just kind of grid searching, um, my brother calls, and tell him what's going on, he's like, well, he's like, you know, my wife has cooked this big dinner, and my dad was there, and we were planning this big family dinner, and so I was like, well, you know, I, I think this deer is probably still alive, I think he might die, like I think we might have got him killed, but I just don't know, um, so why don't we come back to the house, uh, you know, we we'll eat dinner, we might even let this deer just go overnight, we can talk about it, come up with a game plan. And he's like, yeah, that's, you know, that sounds good. And basically, as soon as we decide on that plan, I step around this tree, and there's the buck just laying there dead, like 10 feet from me. So all that worry, obviously, immediately went out the window, uh, you know, I yell at my nephew, like, I found him, and he's like, really? And so I go back over and get him and let him come running up and, and find the deer, and uh, man, he was, he was so excited. It was awesome. I got a really cool video of him and he's like, he's like, did I hit its heart? And I was like, I, I don't think so. And he's like, good. He's like, that's my favorite part to eat. <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, I got to drag the deer out of the woods by myself. You know, he wasn't a lot of help. I'd let him kind of pretend to help, um, go back, eat a, a great meal that my sister-in-law cooked. Uh, we get all the other kids and we gut the deer and they're watching and asking a thousand questions and, and anyway, it just turned into a great evening. So, uh, so that was good for him. The rest of the weekend did not go that well. Um, it really, really dried up. Uh, he kept hunting uh, Friday, or I'm sorry, on Saturday because he wanted to try to shoot a doe. Uh, my niece, uh, I think Saturday morning, uh, before shooting light, they had a doe coming in that they didn't see, and I don't remember if they opened the window or I think my brother might have like blew, blown his nose or something. And that deer ended up running off. And I think that was the only deer they saw the whole weekend. Um, My nephew and I, we walked up on some hogs, walking to the stand. Didn't get one shot, but we didn't see any more deer. It was just hot, no wind, just terrible conditions. Um, So anyway, so we went one for two. Um, My niece is definitely going to keep hunting. You know, some of her friends at school shot some deer, so she still wants one. So we'll hunt again when when the regular rifle season comes. Um, but yeah, so that was our that was our youth weekend, and it was pretty stinking awesome, even though there were some terrible conditions. So, so yeah, that is that portion. I did not intend for that to take you know almost ten minutes. <laughs> so we're gonna move on again. Um, so kind of big announcement type thing, not necessarily announcement, but just want to let you guys know the schedule of what's happening. So. Kind of just like with my Nebraska trip, the the episodes that are about to come out are going to be a little oddly timed and spaced. And so today I'm going to talk about my Iowa hunt as well as some rut tactics because I'm going to be hunting the rut in Iowa. So those two things kind of come together. And I also want to cover some rut stuff before we actually get to the hardcore rut. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So that episode will drop on like the... 30th, I think, October 30th, yeah, so this episode that you're listening to right now comes out on October 30th, the next Monday, November 6th, I will just be getting to Iowa, and so I have a pre-recorded episode that I've already done with a buddy of mine, so that episode will be coming out on the 6th, and then again, just like, well, excuse me, just like in Nebraska, I'll be hunting that week, so I won't record one, and so I have another pre-recorded episode that will be coming out on monday the 13th and then that following week on the 20th that is when i will probably do like my iowa breakdown talk about my muzzleloader hunt because i'm going basically going almost a month without getting like a fresh kind of new episode recorded and so i I apologize for that i know this is like prime time and y'all are probably wanting some like more tactic driven stuff but that's just kind of the cards I've been dealt with trying to go on this trip and again like I, I you know I really want to focus on that Iowa hunt and that's you know part of what we're going to be talking about today. So so anyway, so that's the big announcement for this week um is that I got two pre-recorded episodes that those will be coming out the next two weeks. So you won't hear like really fresh stuff from me until November 20th. So So yeah, that is the big announcement. Um, That's going to do it for this intro. Like I said, the rest of this episode, I'm going to be kind of double dipping with my Iowa trip slash rut tactics because it is that time. Like when y'all listen to this, it will be the week of the first week of November. Sweet November is here. Crazy to say. um, It seems like October just completely flew by. Uh, I have only hunted, like I've only deer hunted for myself I think twice. Uh and October's almost over. So I do plan to do a little bit of muzzle hunting this weekend. Hopefully if it's not just storming. I really, really want to hunt on Monday, but I'm not sure work's gonna allow that or not. We'll see. Um, but anyway, that's that's besides the point. So so yeah, that's what we got for this week. I've rambled enough. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you're ready for this episode. It's rut time, and that's what we're gonna be covering right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. All right, guys, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I just recorded for like eight minutes and then turned around and deleted it because I got so off track of what I wanted to cover because I'm so excited about this stuff. Um, So this is me being open and honest with you guys. I'm starting fresh. I'm backing up. I took a couple deep breaths. um, And so we're here now. We're good to go. We're ready. All right. As I mentioned before, uh, this episode is going to be about rut tactics and my Iowa trip. And I need to apologize to you guys real quick because the last few weeks, I I have not done a very good job on the education side of this podcast. Um, I've been a little busy. I've been getting episodes out, but it's been a lot of stories, which are fun. You know, I, I killed a buck. A lot of my friends have killed bucks. And so I've been recording those episodes and, and sharing them and stuff. But I feel like I have not done a very good job of, like I said, the education side, like the tactics, what you need to be doing right now to make you more successful. And so that is what I want to do on this episode. So again, I'm kind of meshing the two because, again, my Iowa trip is going to be a true rut hunt. And that is what I want to equip you guys with our rut tactics, because again, this will be dropping uh, October 30th. Right as things are heating up, um, we got an amazing weather system that's coming through today, or I guess it probably came through last night technically, Uh, but it is just a really, really good, excuse me, and really important time to be in the woods. So like I said, I got a little too excited and off track, so I'm backing up now, and I got four things here in front of me. I got kind of my four keys to a successful rut. And so I'm gonna run through these kind of real quick, explain them all, and then I'm basically gonna start at today, at October October 30th, and I'm gonna walk you through kind of the next two weeks what I plan to do. When um, you know we have enough of a weather forecast, I'm looking at the extended forecast. I kind of got an idea of what's going to be going on when. Obviously, that's going to be subject to change a little bit, but for the most part. Uh, I think the weather and the dates should hold up pretty firm. So so that's what we got going. That's why I started over. <laughs> so here are my four things. So number one on my list is when it comes to the rut, you have to be adaptable. And I mean that in so many different ways. I can't even you know explain, but you have to be adaptable on when you're hunting or when you're not hunting. You gotta be adaptable on your setup. You have to... Uh, be adaptable with uh, you know family stuff. You know Halloween's going to be in here. Uh, I, I'm taking vacation time uh, because you want to be in the woods a lot, but you have to be smart and you want to make the most of when you are in the woods and and you got to be smart about where you're hunting, when you're hunting those locations. And so, like I said, number one is you just have to be adaptable, and we're going to talk about that a lot in this episode. Number two is you want to be aggressive, but smart. And I think a lot of people use the rut as, as an excuse to kind of just go buck wild. You know, they're throwing scents out there and, and calls and, and using all these products. And maybe they're going into places they normally don't go into, and, but oh, because it's the rut and it doesn't matter and stuff. And, and sure you can get away with a lot more because it is the rut, but you still have to hunt smart And uh, I have a a specific story I'm going to tell later uh, about that. But um, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, you can be more aggressive, but you don't necessarily just want to throw the whole kitchen sink in there at once. Like you have to be tactical and smart about being aggressive. So number one, be adaptable. Number two, be aggressive. Number three, use historical data if you have it. And uh, that, that same story that I'm going to tell here in a little bit about being aggressive but smart plays a huge role in this one, too, of using historical data um, to the point where, you know, I've heard people talk about and kind of like I was saying in, uh well, I think that was in the one I deleted, actually. But, uh, you know, as far as when the rut is and all that, you know, I'm seeing now is prime time on Facebook of. Rut's early, or you know, next swollen rut started, or you know, this or that, and then you got the other side of the people who are like, "Oh, rut's the same exact time every year," and and all all of that is true to a point. Um, yes, the rut is the same time every year. Like I fully believe that when does get bred is the same, you know, give or take a couple days every single year, um, and that's kind of the historical data I'm talking about. But when you hear people talking about like, oh, you know, the neck's swollen or this or that, that stuff is also kind of true. So basically the closer we get to the rut, um, those bucks, you know, the daylight's getting shorter and that is kind of a trigger for them. And so their testosterone is rising right now. So you're going to see some more swollen necks. You're going to see some, uh, you know, some more aggressive behavior, some fighting, some stuff like that. Those bucks are going to be ready before the does are. And and that's kind of that stuff that, you know, people are talking about on, on Facebook and stuff and, and the other people are fighting back at. Um, but uh, when I'm talking about historical data, um, again, like I mentioned, those does, those does are going to come into heat roughly the same time every year. And I've seen something on our place where uh, like pockets of does will come in at different times, you know, a few days apart. And I've seen like bucks actually know that and kind of shift to those areas. Um, like on the northern portion of, uh, of our property, I see a lot of bucks up there around like the 26th. Um, I shot a big buck with my muzzleloader October 28th in one year. That, and that was the first year we had that property. Uh, the next year I saw a really big buck chasing a doe. I think it was October 29th. And then as you go to kind of the southern portion of the property, and, you know, not that far. Um, it seems like it's just, you know, a couple days later, um, and I think you're just kind of getting into a different family group. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I don't, don't want to get too scientific or anything. Um, but just using that historical data, knowing kind of when things happen, where, is very, very important. And, again, I'll tell that story here in just a little bit. Uh, number four, and my last big tip, Is you just gotta be in the woods. When it comes to the rut, that is the number one thing. You just have to be out there as much as humanly possible. And again, all these other factors kind of play into that being smart, being adaptable, all that stuff. Um, And again, I'll get into that in here in just a little bit. But over the next, I'm gonna say three to really four weeks the more you can be out there, the better. Like it just increases your chances because all it takes is one hot doe, uh, one buck that finished breeding one doe and is looking for another one, one cold snap, uh, one buck getting pushed off of a doe because of a, a hunter or a vehicle or whatever. Like it just takes that one thing. And so you just have to be out there. So as a quick refresher, and then we're gonna get into kind of the the story in the Iowa side, be adaptable, be aggressive, but smart, use historical data if you have it, and just be in the woods. So, all right, we're going to shift kind of portion two here. And I'm, I got my calendar pulled up and I'm going to basically walk you guys through the next two to three weeks. And I'm going to say like, if I'm hunting this, is de- this day, this is what I'd be doing. If you're hunting this day, if the weather's this, this is what you should be doing. And so hopefully, this is going to be a good exercise for everybody. So this episode, as I mentioned earlier, is dropping October 30th. And I hope my my greatest wish for you is that you're listening to this in a deer stand because the 30th looks awesome. We got all this rain that's been happening, all these thunderstorms, all that's kind of moving out Sunday night. We got a big cold front coming in. And I think the woods are just going to be magical today on October 30th. Um, the 31st is also looking really good in um, and, and kind of the next several days. And obviously that's leading into the first week of November. As I mentioned, this year, uh, muzzleloader falls into that week. That is going to be absolutely deadly. Absolutely deadly. So I hope this week in particular you you guys are getting to hunt a lot. Um, if it were me, and again, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to hunt, uh, Monday or not, I'm going to try to, uh, this is when I would pull out the decoy. I admittedly, I've never killed a buck over a decoy. Um, part of that is just because I'm pretty timid. Uh, I'm, I, I just don't have enough experience with it, but I've always dreamed and wanted to kill a buck over a decoy. And this is the perfect time. We're in that pre-rut. As I mentioned, the does aren't really ready. The bucks are kind of getting ready. If you have a spot where that decoy can be visible from a distance, you know, a good travel corridor, throw that puppy out there. Uh, I named mine Kevin. I don't know why. It just came to me. Uh, but me and Kevin, if, if at all possible, if I can sneak away from work, we're going to be out on either the 30th or the 31st uh, set up probably with the muzzleloader trying to draw in the 2% buck. Um, obviously, shifting into to November, that's not going to change. That whole first week, uh, the the last little bit of October and that first week of November, that is your prime pre-rut strategy. That is your your decoys, your rattling, maybe a little bit of blind calling. I'm not real big on blind calling, but if you're going to do it, that is the week to do it. Uh, you know, part of the reason I am always a little uncomfortable with the decoy is it's just the situation has to be so perfect. And it's so kind of situational, uh, that I'm, I'm always just a little hesitant to pull it out. But if you're going to pull it out, like I said, that, um, really I'm going to back up probably again, this will have already happened, but October 28th to like November 5th, that is probably going to be your prime decoy dates. Uh, so, like I said, not sure where I'm going to be hunting in there. Um, one, uh, one adaptable thing that I'm trying to figure out still is where I'm going to be that first weekend of November. As I mentioned, it's muzzleloader season in Oklahoma, which I love. Um, that is the, uh, that Saturday, the fourth, is the opener for Texas rifle, and that's when my you know buddies and I always do our hunt camp out in West Texas. That is also the date that I can leave for Iowa (coughs) and so I know first world problems but I basically have three different states that I can be hunting that weekend in the first weekend of November and uh, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do so if if the two percent buck is showing in daylight I might hang around and hunt um, you know, like with my bow on Friday and the muzzle load, or no, that would be muzzle loader. Never mind. I might try to hunt uh, Friday or Saturday with the muzzle loader there. Um, the weather right now is looking really good in Texas as well. And so, you know, part of me would love to go out there, hang out with my buddies, experience that with them. You know, it's kind of our once a year, big get together. And so I, I hate to miss that. And, and honestly, again, looking at the, the future forecast, that, that good weather doesn't hit Iowa quite yet that weekend. I think it's supposed to be like in the th- mid-50s, which for up there is normal that time of year. Um, so it's not like a big cold front or anything. So as I sit on you know October 25th, sitting here talking to you guys, I'm thinking I will probably be hunting either Oklahoma or Texas on November 4th. And then November 5th, I'm going to head to Iowa because, you know, if you've ever listened to any big time deer hunter that, you know, lives in Iowa, they talk about that November 6th and 7th date. And I just really want to be there for that. Um, You know, when I did my kind of pre-Iowa trip thing a few months ago, uh, you know, I I I wasn't sure if I was going to be on private or public or what. And I was thinking about trying to miss the crowd. Well, I talked to my guy in Iowa uh, this last week. And I, I do have permission on his private. He told me I could hunt there at his house. I think he has one other small farm. He's going to let me hunt. And then he has some access to some pretty good public that, uh, that I can hunt as well. And so I'm going to have some really good places. And so I am going to go that week. Um, so I, I booked my hotel, uh, from the 5th to the 12th. If I end up going to Iowa early, I'll either sleep in my truck or try to find something, you know, for Friday or Saturday. But I definitely have a hotel room for that Sunday night. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of bridging into the Iowa stuff. As far as tactics when I get there, um, and I want to go back to my, my notes here. Um, so, obviously, adaptable, I'm talking about getting up there, where I'll be hunting, whether it'll be public, private, um, the deer. Uh, you know, Again, I talked to the guy. I was asking him about like what I can or can't shoot. He's basically giving me free reign of the farm, uh, which is amazing. And I I can't, you know, thank him enough. Um, He kind of harped on basically not shooting, you know, the first decent deer that I see because he does have good deer and he would love for me to kill one. So that's going to be a challenge on its own. But what I'm really kind of getting at here is my second point of be aggressive, but smart. Because when I get there, it's not going to be like walk until you run. I am jumping head first into prime rut time on a Southern Iowa farm first week of November. Um, and this is kind of where my, my mental battle starts playing because again, you know, this, the the, the landowner, he's going to help me out. He said, I can hunt his stands. Um, I'm bringing the saddle. I'm bringing my own stand. Um, and like I said, he's going to be able to, to kind of point me in the right direction. But I have never stepped foot on this place. I've never seen pictures. Um, yeah, I've done a little bit of aerial scouting from Onyx. But I have, I have no idea what I'm getting into. And I've I've done this enough to know that it's not always how it looks on the map, you know. And so my biggest kind of conundrum that I'm in right now is, you know, that first day when I go out to hunt do I just set up blind and see what happens? Um, Because I would love to do some scouting, but I don't necessarily also want to go just running all over and spreading my scent on this nice new farm that I get to hunt for seven days, you know, on the first day. Um, But I also feel like I need to know kind of where the activity is. And so I'm thinking that first day, I'm going to just bathe myself in as much, cover scent as possible Um, you know really really harp on that and there's a big creek kind of where I feel like a lot of the deer activity is going to be it's got a big timbered hill that comes in from the west it hits that creek and then up to the right is kind of his like pasture land and so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make just one loop around that creek you know go up the creek on one side cross it and come down on the other side and just see, you know, I'm going to have onyx open anytime I come across a trail, I'm going to mark it. If I come across, you know, scrape or rub or anything like that, mark it and just do a really thorough, fairly quick run through along that creek. Because again, I think that's where most of the deer activity is going to be. And then the rest of the time, I'll basically just kind of be scouting as I hunt, you know, if the wind is, from the west, I'm going to go in there with the best wind that I possibly have in my favor, and I'm just going to slowly work my way in until I find some sign that looks good, and I'm going to set up. And I'm going to, you know, while I'm set up, I'm going to be looking around. I'm going to be reading sign. I'm going to be watching for deer activity. If I see deer in the distance, I'm going to make a note of that and uh, and just basically break the, the farm down that way. And I've already, you know, again, been checking the winds. Looks like we're gonna have a lot of westerly winds, um, which I think are really good for this property. Um, and and again, like I said, I'm just gonna do the best I can, not be overly aggressive, but at the same time, I'm gonna be hunting a lot, and I'm not gonna be afraid to get in there if I feel like I need to. You know, if we have that real cool, crisp morning, I'm gonna push the envelope a little bit, and I'm gonna go a little bit further than I would have otherwise Um, because I, again, I like seven days is a lot. I don't know if I've ever wiped hunted seven days in a row, Um, but it's also like those are the seven days I have. And so I need to get something done. Um, You know, my other point about historical data, I personally do not have historical data. Again, I've never stepped foot on this place, Um, but this landowner, like he sent me some pictures last year. He's going to show me some pictures this year and so I'm going to be using that to my advantage. Um, you know, he has these stands. He, he hunts some. He doesn't hunt a ton anymore. Uh, I think he has, like, a nine-year-old son that, you know, is kind of getting into hunting and stuff. Um, so I'm going to be very reliant on him for getting that historical data. Um, and then, you know, the just being the woods part, that part's going to be, I think, easy. Um, like, I, I have nothing else to do there but hunt. I have never done an all-day sit. I've talked about that on here before. I've always kind of wanted to, uh, but man, I just don't know if I can sit in a tree stand. All I don't know if my back would let me. I don't know if my bowels would let me. um, But I plan on being in a tree a lot. And you know, if if my back starts hurting or I get hungry, you know, walk out to the truck, spend an hour or two there, relax, stretch, whatever, and get back in there Um, because I know. I know that I need to be in that tree as much as humanly possible. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in Eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. All right, I got swept away there with my, my list again, so let's back up. Let's get back on these dates and tactics. So we kind of talked about up until you know November 4th, 5th, 6th. Like I said, that end of October into the first little bit of November, that is your hardcore Kind of pre-rut strategies that I talked about: your decoy, your rattling, a little bit of blind calling, stuff like that. Once you get a little deeper into November, you know that kind of sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, give or take a couple of days, obviously, that is when you're starting to have a decent amount of does actually coming into estrus. And so this is where, again, I I tend to lay off some of the the more aggressive tactics. And it's time to just buckle up and hunt. This is when you need to be in your pinch points, your travel corridors, your creek crossings, stuff like that. Like deer are just going to be up on their feet, moving around, and you need to be in a position where you can intercept them. Uh, when 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 the does really get you know coming into estrus, like I said, and everything gets hot and heavy, those deer know that it's time, and they're not quite as concerned with other bucks, you know, the decoys and the fighting and the grunting and all that stuff. Like they just want to breed and, and they are going to actively seek that out. And so I tend to put away, not necessarily put away, you know, the rattling antlers, that stuff can still be effective. But again, it's more about being in the right place at the right time. Again, those travel corridors and everything. Now I still bring my grunt tube. I still bring my antlers and stuff, but I kind of switch to doing it more blind to doing it if I actually physically see a deer and I don't think he's going to come into range. Uh, you know, the spot I'm thinking of right now in my head is the saddle um, where I can see a long way. I can see like almost 300 yards. There's a lot of deer crossing through there. Uh, you know, if I'm up there, maybe I have my bow or they're out of muzzleloader range or whatever. I see a deer crossing or maybe they're just moving too fast, you know, and I, and I don't think I can get my muzzleloader out and get a shot. That's when I'm going to break out the antlers or the grunt tube or something like that. Get that deer to stop. Maybe get them to come in and check me out real quick. Come a little closer. And that's when I'm going to be calling in that situation. Probably not so much blind calling. um, Because again, I think they're just losing interest in that. And they just want to find something to breed. And that is going to carry into man i mean that's gonna be hot and heavy for really the next couple weeks you know like so i said that's gonna start around six seventh eighth once you get a little further than that most places in north america um and i don't want to paint too pro too broad of a brush but uh most people or you know studies that have been done is that peak breeding actually happens like smack dab middle of november you know 12th to the 15th something like that and that is when hunting can be really really good but also really really tough and the reason it's tough is because it can get slow because there are so many does actively in estrus that there are just ton a a ton of does to breed So a lot of those bucks, you know, a lot of people call this the lockdown phase. They're starting to get locked down. They stay with that doe for usually like 48 hours. They'll breed her multiple times. And so there's just all that crazy running around movement that you've had going on kind of just seems to come to a screeching halt. Um, But the reason this is still a really good time and a really important time to be in the woods is because as soon as they're done breeding that doe, they're going to be looking for the next one. And so, you you know, the movement won't be as consistent. It won't seem like it's near as crazy, but those deer are still going to be on their feet. And they're going to be on their feet whenever they need to. As soon as they're done with that doe, they're going to the next one. They don't care if it's midnight or noon. They're going to be going to that next doe. And so, uh, during this time of year, I transition... Somewhere in the middle of the last two, so those first, you know, the, that beginning time I talked about, end of November or end of October, early November, I like to be able to see a de- decent amount of way or decent ways. Sorry, I like to be able to see a decent ways. You still obviously want to be close enough to kill, but I like to to have some visibility. Once you move into that kind of next part where it's really getting close, that's where I don't care about seeing quite as far. I want to be in the kill spot because I don't know if I can draw them away when their mind is really set this time of year, I want to be somewhere in between, uh, because I want to be able to see that movement. I want to be able to see something happening, but you still have to be close enough to kill. Um, because you know, if that buck does find that doe, he's going to chase her around a little bit. Um, but the does are going to be getting tired of being, you know, pestered by now the bucks are going to start to get in, start getting a little bit worn down and so there's usually not quite as much of that crazy chasing going on. Obviously, you'll still see it, every area is a little different. Um, but you want to be kind of somewhere in the middle. I want to be able to see, but you still got to be close enough to kill. And so, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, back to my eye trip. I, I keep or I keep mentioning that creek or I mentioned that creek at least. And that just seems like a very good natural corridor corridor because i'm going to be in pretty hilly terrain like much hillier uh, than what i'm used to here and so you know those transition funnels and and topography are going to be huge um and that's why i keep harp- harping on that creek is because there's several different little hills and stuff that funnel down to it and so i i think that's just going to be where i need to be to catch up with that and you know one side of it is a little bit more open one side of it is thick And so, like I said, the first couple days, I'm probably going to be on the thinner side, just checking it out, trying to look for stuff. You know, that middle of the week, that, you know, 8th, ninth, I'm probably going to switch to the other side of the creek, get in that thick stuff, get right in there, Um, use those funnels and that terrain to my advantage uh, to where if something comes by, it's going to be in bow range. Um, Once we get toward, you know, a little later in in the week, um, you know, closer to that 11th, 12th, I don't know it's (laughs) that's where you got to be adaptable like i talked about um yeah it's just going to be kind of what i've seen where i've seen deer um if i haven't had any luck on the on the private by the time that you know ninth tenth rolls around i'm probably gonna go jump on the public um which i know kind of sounds crazy giving up private but if it's not happening there uh that's kind of that aggressive and smart thing if it's not happening on the private I got to go somewhere else and so I'm willing to go to public and I think the public that I'm going to be on is going to be better than the majority of private in a lot of the of the country. So I'm, you know, obviously not afraid to do that either. Um, but man, yeah, that's an exciting time and that's going to pretty much, you know, close up my trip. I come home on the 12th whether I killed a buck or not cuz that's when I need to be home. If you're still hunting here, you know, that next week, that is that prime lockdown uh, phase. And that's, ah, man, like I said, it's one of the best and worst times to hunt because you can definitely kill a really nice buck there. But man, you may go two or three days without seeing a deer because everything is just locked down. You know, you might catch a glimpse of a little yearling buck running around trying to get on some action, um, but things really slow down. And then towards the end of November, uh, that's actually when I have had a lot of my, you know, quote, rut luck and, and killed a lot of my bigger bucks. Because a lot of times by then, you know, things are dwindling down. A lot of those younger bucks have kind of ran themselves ragged. And those bigger, older, more mature bucks, that's kind of when they thrive. They've saved themselves. They have more weight. They have bigger bodies. They have more energy. And they tend to just really, you know, basically run cleanup that last week or two of November when you're getting into Oklahoma rifle, which is obviously also another huge advantage is that you get to hunt with a rifle. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, man, yeah, that's kind of my plan for Iowa. I know I ran through that, it uh, seems like, really quickly. But um, first, first day I'm there, I'm going to do a very quick, smart scouting mission And then I'm gonna be kind of reliant on that and the information that I get from the landowner to just hunt very smart in a lot of hours that week. And if by the end of the week things aren't happening there, I'm gonna shift it. I'm gonna go to public, and I will be completely on my own then. Um, You know, like they're gonna kind of give me a general area to to hunt. Um, but it's going to be probably a lot of just scouting my, my way in finding some sign or a trail or a pinch point or something and setting up on it. Um, so all right, I, I keep mentioning the story that I want to tell. And, uh, this is kind of my, my biggest educational rut story that I can talk about. And it, and it takes all these four things that I've been talking about into account, being adaptable, being aggressive, but smart using historical data, and just being in the woods. So this happened, I want to say, three years ago. And uh, it was the first... Not nice. oh, oh, apparently it's not nice. <laughs> My watch just talked to me. Uh, so this would have been the first weekend of Oklahoma rifle season. So, you know, week, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, again, I kind of talked about that. We're in the later part of the rut. Um, I had not killed a a deer yet, so I'm feeling a little angsty, um, feeling a little pressure. I was actually hunting the 2% buck on this hunt, uh, you know, three years ago. This was, he was kind of in his prime at this point. Had a, a few other deer, you know, that I'd kept an eye on. And, uh, I was actually, I was hunting in the saddle. So I had my, my rifle blind there. Um, I didn't have a food plot or anything at this point, just hunting this natural corridor. I'm on the edge of the canyon that I'm always talking about. And it was a morning hunt. And the morning's going on, and I'm not seeing anything. Like I mentioned, it's that later time of year, the doze are tired of being chased. And probably I'm gonna say like 8.30, 9 o'clock comes around, and I've not seen a single deer. And this thought creeps into my mind of I'm not being aggressive enough. And like I mentioned, I'm on the edge of the canyon. I know that's a bedding area. Um, I had done a little I think I had done a little bit of clearing that year. And, and I start thinking to myself, like, I need to be in that canyon. I'm not being aggressive enough. And so I'm having this mental battle with myself. And, and the other side of my brain is like, man, it's that time of year. You're in a good travel corridor. You got a rifle. You just need to be patient. And so I'm going back and forth with myself. And about 9, 15, something like that comes along. And now I'm really like, all right, like, you either need to get down in that canyon or you just need to go home getting frustrated and I see a deer and it's a young buck. It's a yearling. I think he had like a spike on one side and maybe a fork on the other. (coughs) And, uh, this deer goes from my right to my left all the way through the saddle. And, uh, so I was like, all right, like that's a good sign. Like at least I finally saw a deer. It was just a yearling, but I saw a deer. And, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man, I feel like I need to go to the Canyon. I feel like I need to go to the Canyon. And I pretty much made up my mind that I was going to walk down in there and that spike actually came back out and he walked straight up to my blind. He walked like, I want, I want to say like five to 10 feet in front of me. I think I have a video of it. Walked in front of me and then went back down to where he came from. And so basically like I, I didn't leave my, my blind just because he was there and I didn't want to spook him. So he disappears. And basically as soon as he disappears, a nice mature eight point comes out of the canyon and walks across right in front of me, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't go in there because I would have spooked that buck. So he walks all the way across. Actually, he gets to the edge, and he actually kind of walks, you know, up towards me a little ways, and then dips down into that draw. And I was like, all right, sweet, like that was good. Uh, about gosh, 15 minutes later, another big mature, nice eight point walks out exactly where he did. Uh, walks across again, and then instead of turning towards me, which would have been east, he t- kind of turns west goes down into that draw. And I was like, well, okay, like maybe I made a good decision. Uh, A few minutes later, he actually pops back out, comes back out, walks to the middle of the saddle, sits there for a second, and then walks like straight away to me, from me to the west. And uh, I was like, well, okay, like there you go. A few minutes later, uh, different, I I thought it was the first eight point, different big eight point. Uh, Actually, it was the deer I killed uh, last year with my bow, big eight point. Um, yeah, he came out from the north, sniffs around a little bit, and I came really, really close to to pulling the trigger on him. Uh, but he was pretty far. That would have been about like a 250 yard shot. And, uh, while I was trying to make up my mind, he actually turned for no reason and and ran off. (coughs) Um, a few minutes later, I think I ended up seeing, uh, like one or two other small bucks. I think maybe one doe, something like that. Uh, but all that to say, the reason I, I tell this story is because it's kind of all these crazy things that I've been talk- talking about coming into one thing. Um, I was trying to be adaptable. I was like, I'm in this spot. Nothing's happen- happening. I got to move. But that immediately kind of goes into the second point of you want to be aggressive, but you got to be smart. I had been hunting that stand for, gosh, I don't know, three years or something at that point. I knew it was a great rut stand. I knew that deer use it just very naturally, and and I knew that I needed to be smart and just stay there. Even though I'd pretty much you know talked myself into leaving, um, I, I I needed to stay there. And the reason I needed to be smart and stay there was because I had that historical data. I had hunted that spot in the past. Um, I've I've tried to put cameras there, but it's just too big of a space. You don't pick up the deer there. Um, basically, I just kind of got lucky, and I've watched it over the years and learned how they, uh, you know, used it. Um, and then kind of going into the, the last part of just being in the woods, um, you know, it was getting pretty late. Like I, I hunted till 11 or something that day. And that would have been, you know, roughly the 20 something of November, you know, not your first week all day sit type time, you know, that was much, much later in the year. Um, but I was just in the woods, and part of the reason I was in the woods because I hadn't killed a deer, and I was, you know, feeling anxious and crazy about it. Um, but I just feel like that's a, a good story to talk about all those different things in one. Um, so, like I said, you got to be adaptable, but you got to be smart. Uh, take what I'm talking about, take what you've seen. Try not to read too awful much about, uh, you know, what you're gonna do off of Facebook and everything, because. Yes, there are some really good hunters on there, but there are also some really not so great hunters and people that get a little too excited and everything. Um, so you got to be smart and use that historical data. Um, this year, hunting the 2% buck, I, th- like that's, that's what I'm going off of. I have, uh, I made a folder on my computer with all my old pictures of him. I've been kind of following that folder, uh, keeping up obviously with where he is this year, where I'm getting pictures. Um, But in the back of my mind, I always try to think about where he was in previous years and on what days he was there. And one thing, he's already kind of started moving into his rut pattern. So I got a picture of him last night on the very east side of kind of our back area. Two nights ago, he was on the west side, and he was coming from his old historical range to the northwest. And so he's already kind of starting to get a little... uh, I don't know if I'd say frisky like he's you know, like I know he's not necessarily chasing does yet um, but his his movements are becoming a little bit more sporadic um, and and yeah and like I said so the the picture I got of him it was actually technically this morning it was like 650 something like not long before daylight the other picture I got of him was nine something like a little after daylight and so just trying to track that gum sucker down and use everything I can to my advantage. One kind of downside about my Iowa trip is I feel like, oh man, if I had seven days during the rut in Oklahoma, I feel like I could kill that joker. I don't know. Maybe I couldn't. I, I've, I've had you know plenty of years uh, to kill him, and I haven't done it to this point, um, but uh, I know it's going to drive me nuts if I'm sitting there in Iowa and I'm getting a bunch of daylight pictures of that deer, so... You can't can't win them all, you know, you win some, you lose some. So, so yeah, I'm trying to think if I missed anything. Um, The biggest point that I want to drive home is that number four, just be in the woods, just get out there, set yourself up in the best position you can possibly think you can set yourself up and just be patient. Keep your head on a swivel try not to be on your phone or podcast or whatever. This is one time of deer where you can actually hear deer coming a lot of times because a lot of times they're running or being chased. They're not necessarily being sneaky and everything. So don't have headphones in or anything like that. Like really keep your wits about you and keep your head on a swivel. So, all right. I think that's about it. Um, coming up on about 50 minutes here. So I don't want to stay too much longer. Again, if you skip the intro or whatever, this episode is coming out on the 30th and I've already pre-recorded two more episodes that will be coming out the next two weeks and then you'll hear from me with a, you know, quote-unquote live episode after that. So, man, it's that time of year, guys. Get out there, be smart, hunt your hearts out and most importantly, enjoy it. Like this is why we do it for this time of year. Don't let things get to your head don't get too disappointed, keep your head on straight, keep your eyes open, get out there and enjoy God's creation. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys so much. Please follow along the rest of the season. We got a lot of stuff coming up and even though it seems like the season's blowing by, there is a lot of season left and we haven't even gotten into like duck hunting and all that good stuff. So that's it. That's going to do it for me. Thank you guys for listening to this episode until next week. I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma outdoors podcast.